reading from the 8th chapter of the Gospel according to Mark, beginning with verse 31. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed. And after three days, rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when He comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There's a road in Rome. Well, according to that thing, we just went off alive. I guess we'll post it later. <laughs> There's a, ro a road in Rome called the Appian Way. Uh, Michael, next slide for me. No click. Next slide. There we go. There's a road in Rome called the Appian Way. Man, it's the stuff of legend. It's a long road. goes all the way down to a port in southern Italy, I believe it is. And all kinds of things have happened on that road. If you remember the story of Spartacus, Spartacus was a slave who rose up and fought the Romans, with beginning with just a few hundred other slaves, and eventually 6,000 of them were fighting against the Romans, and they made a calculated mistake that involved the Appian Way. They went that way, and then they reversed and went to another city, and they were caught. And 6,000 of them were crucified on the sides of the Appian Way to make a point in 71 A.D., Rome crucified 6,000 of its own slaves who revolted to make a point that the status quo must be preserved above all things, even if the status quo is evil. The status quo has come to be very important for Americans, you might say. But we hate it when things change. Sometimes we hate it when things change for the better. But the status quo in Jesus' day was just as big of, big of a deal because most people who are in power have power invested in the way things are. Their power is invested in the way things are and their power is derived from the way things are. And Rome's power was derived from the way things were. You were either a citizen of Rome or you were a subject of Rome. You were either a citizen of Rome or a slave to Rome. You were either a citizen to Rome and paid your taxes or you became a subject and a slave. 
Rome put up with no pretenders to the throne. Rome put up with no rebellions, no revolts. None of that was going to happen on their watch. And so crucifixion becomes a very handy instrument for them. Because crucifixion shamed the revolter. Crucifixion shamed the person who would dare to stand up against the status quo and speak out. It brought shame and proved them wrong because if they were more powerful than the ones who controlled the way things are, they wouldn't be nailed to a tree. Get their point? If Spartacus had been the man people claimed he was, he wouldn't be named nailed to a tree dead on the side of the Appian Way. Paul and Peter end up in Rome as they preached the cross and preached Christ crucified, as they preached the way of Jesus to a world that wanted nothing to do with the way of Jesus, with dying to self and living for others, a world that wanted nothing to do with the idea of putting others first. Does that sound familiar? I mean, honestly, every time we hear about a new policy, the first question we ask is not will it help people, but how will it affect the economy? Don't believe me? Just watch the news. That's the first question. Not will it help someone, but will it help the economy or harm the economy? Protect the status quo at all costs. Peter and Paul were upsetting the status quo because they were calling people to a different kind of life. A life that not, was not about all about what you can have right now. A, not, a life that was not about putting your foot on someone else's neck so that you could have your way. A life that was not about accumulation and power. Little wonder Rome put them in jail. Little wonder that they were intent on rounding up all these Christians who were teaching people to live differently than the emperor thought they should live. Now granted, Nero was crazy. But Nero was the status quo. And he couldn't have people wandering through his emperorship teaching people that there was a crucified and risen person from Palestine who could set them free from all their slaveries to sin and death and make them their own persons who could then live unafraid of the empire. Because as Paul said, God is for me, who can be against me? So they stuck them boogers in jail with the intent of putting them to death. And the story is that Peter escaped after the jailers converted. And that's the subject of this painting by Anabali Karachi called Peter, Christ Appears to Peter on the Appian Way. Peter's getting out of Rome because all his fellow Christians said, Peter, it's too dangerous for you. We need you as a leader. You've got to leave. This is legend. It's not in your New Testament. But it comes from the church, so, you know, why would we lie, right? <laughs> and the story is that Peter is leaving Rome on the Appian Way, that same long road that people have been crucified beside for years and years for standing up to Rome, for standing up to the empires of this world, for standing up to all the power mongers and the war mongers and the hate mongers and the people who only want power and don't want the good of other people. 
That's what they were in prison for. And Rome had a habit of killing those people. But Peter managed to get out, whether by his own wiles or the wiles of the Holy Spirit, and he's leaving Rome, which is, hey, a sound policy, right? Somebody wants to kill you, just leave. (laughs) And as Peter is leaving, the legend goes, he looks up and he sees Jesus heading into Rome. And this is what the artist is imagining as he paints this painting. Would you look at that for a moment? Um, I'd click on it and make sure the people on Facebook can see it, but we're not connected. (laughs) I wonder if you see the way that the cross is on Jesus' shoulder, how it kind of leans out to you so that almost in an offer for you to take hold of it. Do you see that? That's not a mistake. The the author of this painting, the, the artist of this painting is challenging us here. He's challenging us with Jesus' own words. Do you want to follow me or not? Or do you just want to be one of those people who has a nice, comfortable life and doesn't care that what you do affects other people all over the world just as long as you can say, forgive me, Lord, and know you're not going to burn in hell? That's not following Jesus. That's using Jesus. That's the problem with decision theology. It treats Jesus as some kind of little marketplace chip that you can trade in for your ticket to heaven. Jesus called followers, and followers go through the cross and on to eternal life through resurrection. Do you hear the difference? Jesus is not calling us to a solution for our death problem. He's calling us to to a new way of life. A way that abandons power and self-importance. A way that abandons the idea that we should preserve our life at all costs and not care about what happens to others. And that's why the artist has the end of this cross pointing out to you. He wants to know, will you help Jesus carry it? Are you going into Rome with Jesus? Or are you like Peter, getting out of town? Right now, the internet is alive with people who are kind of wondering if maybe one of the four horsemen is riding across the earth. The horsemen of pestilence, you know, because we all got masks on in church. Do you see the irony there? And they wonder, I think, how many Christians will fall away if the tribulation is upon us. How many love Jesus enough to follow when it gets hard? That's what this painting is about, and that's what this text is about. Because following Jesus in this story, in the story Mark tells us, is about to get hard. I mean, they just had a big climax, man. Jesus has just been walking through the desert with them and said, hey, who do people say I am? And they said all kinds of answers. And then Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. And Jesus said, well done, Peter. And then like one verse later, get behind me, Satan. Two verses. Maybe three. This really quick turn because Peter thought Jesus was going to march in and kick the Romans out and return power to Israel. He thought he was that kind of Messiah. The Messiah who's going to return the kingdom to Israel, restore the kingdom. That's what they ask him even after, even later. They still didn't get it. Jesus' Messiahship is different. But Peter's trying to press him into doing what he wants him to do. No, Lord, no. There is no dying for you. None of that. We're going to assemble an army and march into Jerusalem and tell Pilate to leave. It's the same temptations that Jesus faced from Satan. 
to achieve what God wanted with different means. Because I mean honestly. Let's say Jesus did decide to roll up into Jerusalem, kick Pilate out, and take the kingdom by force. I mean, I would love to have Jesus as my king no matter how he came into power. But what would that teach human beings about the dangers of wealth and power? What would that teach us about our deep slavery to sin and death? What would that teach us about how much we are committed to serving the idol of money and power? It would teach us nothing. It would free us from nothing. It would give us a loving and altruistic and wonderful and eternal King. But it would not invite us to a new kind of life. But that cross sticking out to you is inviting you to a new kind of life. That cross that's on Jesus' shoulder is inviting you to something different than serving yourself and serving power and wealth. And Peter didn't like it. No, 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 Jesus. God forbid this will not happen to you. What Peter is really saying is, heck no, man, I want my throne. I'm supposed to reign with you. Remember that whole 12 tribes of Israel stuff? What are you doing, man? No, I'm supposed to be the right hand. I'm supposed to be the guy. I'm sergeant in arms. No, we're not having any of this you getting killed stuff. We're going in, having a new government. I'm going to be the proletarian and all that kind of stuff. Right, Jesus? No, we're not having this you dying stuff. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. And that is why this legend about Peter seeing Jesus in, on the way in, out of Rome is before you today. Because this is the same thing happening again to Peter. Peter is giving up the hard way. No, 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 I'm not going to give up anything for the Gospel. The Gospel is about me getting mine. I mean, you can watch that on your God TV, inspirational channel, all them other little channels that are in the 300s on your Dish Network and DirecTV, they'll tell you your breakthroughs come and your blessings come and you're going to have material wealth all in Jesus' name. But what does Jesus say? He says, come follow me into death and resurrection. Give up on all this money and power nonsense. The status quo is feeling, feeding you and care for your neighbor and love God. Die for others. That's what that cross sticking out to you means. It's not about you having a hard day or your coworker being a turd. It's about something much more important. Giving up our lives to follow Him. Not being king of my own world. Because if I truly want Jesus to be my king, that means I can't be king. And so Peter is faced with a choice as he leaves Rome. He's getting out of town because everybody said, Peter, you're too important to die. So he's getting out of town. And on his way out, he sees Jesus heading into Rome. And he can't believe it. And he says, Lord, where are you going? There's actually a church there named, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus, the legend says, told Peter, I'm going into Rome to be crucified anew. What that story teaches us is that the church is called to suffer in the world as a witness to the goodness and work of God in the world through the suffering of Jesus. As a witness that there is life on the other side of suffering. The church is called to give itself up to improve and warm and help 
the lives of others. We're called to do that. I hear a lot of people these days get all whacked out about social justice stuff in the church, but the church is the original surface of that. The church was called to serve others and elevate others at its own cost. Not at the cost of the government or some new policy or some new tax. When Jesus said, if you have two cloaks and your neighbor has none, give them yours. He didn't say pay a tax bill and let the government buy it. He said the responsibility was ours, church. To continue the work of Jesus to challenge a status quo that says that the poor and the downtrodden and the marginalized and all of those people got there by their own fault and it's okay for them to ride over their heads in our big gigantic new Dodge truck. Because they deserve it. And they made their choices. That's the same attitude that put Jesus on a cross. People preserving the status quo. Preserving their own wealth and power. Peter's running from the world's worst person of that, the Emperor Nero. Remember he set the town on fire and blamed it on the Christians so he could have a reason to kill them? And... He sees Jesus going into Rome and says, Lord, where are you going? I'm going to die, Peter. And the story goes that Peter turned around, walked back into Rome, and he was crucified. And much to all the little death metal bands that have upside down crosses on their albums, it wasn't about denying Jesus, but it was about denying his own worth to die the same way as Jesus. In the end, what Peter chose was dying to honor Christ. Totally giving up himself. So much so that he realized that because he had been willing to walk away when things got hard, he didn't, deny, he didn't deserve an upright cross, but an even worse death on an upside down one. It wasn't Peter denying Jesus again. It was totally the opposite. It was the absolute most he could do to confirm his faith in the risen Christ who will deliver him from even the suffering of crucifixion. The bottom of that cross sticks out to you, dear ones. And the question is, are you going to preserve your life at all costs? Or are you willing to lay down your life and follow this Jesus who is continuing to walk through the world to lift people up out of the muck and mire that sin and death and the status quo calls on you every day. Every single day. Every day I watch human beings choose the way of death and destruction because it's easier. And because they believe it's more efficient and more effective. Human beings continue to spend vast amounts more money on killing one another than it would ever require for us to solve all of the world's problems. Not just our nation, but every nation in the world. Every nation in the world has a minister devoted to the war machine. And all around the world, even Christians kneel to it. And serve it in the name of security. Every nation in the world devotes vast amounts of money to preserving itself and its power and ignoring, ignoring the suffering of its own people. That 
It was what Christ came to change. That is the mission of the church, to stand up against that mess and scream that it's not okay, even if it costs us our lives. That is what the cross that Jesus offers us is about. Not having to put up with an irritating co-worker or your dog that keeps peeing on the floor. Oh, it's my cross to bear. It's an invitation to decide that you will die to yourself and follow Jesus wherever it goes. We make that choice many ways in little ways. I know some of the ways some of you make those choices. You've told me. You've told me of times when people come up to you and need help and you help them even though you know you're being taken. One of you is in this room today. You help them even though you know the story might not be true because you're hoping that that one time it might make a difference in their life. Some of you do give up comforts of this world to serve others. But the truth is that all of us could do that more. And that's the life that Jesus called us to. To love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. The way of the cross is not about bearing little inconveniences in the world. The way of the cross is about dying to yourself and being raised to new life in Jesus Christ. And it's about nothing else but that. Now some people would read this text and say, oh, it's a must. We must die just like Jesus did. No, some of us will not be called to die for our faith. Right? To literally get beheaded for our faith. But somewhere in the world, someone will face that this week. There are worse things than being beheaded for your faith. You can be ostracized by your family. They might call you a Jesus freak. You can be bullied at school. They might call you a Jesus freak. All of those things hurt and might hurt more than physical death. But Jesus is worth it. Part of what the Romans wanted to accomplish when they stuck 6,000 slaves on the side of a cross is to bring shame to them. Do you hear that? Part of what Rome wanted to do when it beheaded Paul was to shame him and say his ministry. All the things he said are invalid because look, here lies his head. When they put Peter on a cross, they thought they were shaming Peter. Because the cross is an instrument of shame and not pretty jewelry. And that's why Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before this sinful generation... I would disown you before my Father in heaven. Because it's shame that causes us to decide that we will reject the cross and instead choose a crown. It's the fear of shame. I've asked you many times here in this room if you love Jesus. I'll ask you again, are you in love with Jesus? It's okay to speak out loud. Are you in love with Jesus? Are you ashamed of Jesus? 
Dear ones, take up your cross. You're invited to a new way of life. A way that doesn't preserve the status quo, but looks for ways to give itself for others. And Jesus' promise to you today is that if you give yourself up for others and for Him, you will have life. Do not be ashamed of Christ or His gospel or of His cross because it is the road to life. It's a must. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.